Well, it is almost decision time, and I'm not talking about court decisions. Uh, we're talking about roster decisions, among other things. I guess we might talk about a court decision if you talk about uh, the CBA. We'll get into that. And I'm Justin Latta, and this is Guardians of the Future. Uh, I know it has been a while, but it's been a I don't know. It's been a slow off season so far uh, since the World Series ended. There hasn't been a lot to talk about, but. I think we have enough things to talk about and, and get into ahead of the 40-man roster deadline later this week. And uh, to talk talk about it with me is Willie Hood. Nobody better to talk about it with. Willie, how you doing? Doing good. I, I don't know about that, Justin. I think there's a lot of better people you could talk to, man. I, just just being honest here, a couple of people I would like to talk to myself. You know, get Zach on here, Zach Measel. Definitely would be a better one. Andre not. Uh, he'd probably know more than I do. <laughs> Andre's a little busy, man. He's got he's got calves and brown stuff before he gets to baseball. And Andre can't be bothered. He's, yeah, and, he's, and he's covering both Guardians teams now too. I think yeah. <laughs> was that part of the was that part of the deal that he has to cover roller derby in addition to baseball? <laughs> Absolutely. I would. That's a good deal for the roller derby team. I mean, you know, for, first people knew who they were. Now they're going to get a, an A plus sideline reporter. So. Uh, you know, good for them. It's been a it's been a big week for roller derby, I guess. That's what I call a win win situation. There, you know, both sides. <laughs> I don't know about Andre though, man. His his family may not appreciate that that much, but uh, hey, man's got to do what a man's got to do sometimes. So better him than me. I'm not learning roller derby. Uh, I didn't even know that team existed until the name change, and quite frankly, I'm sure a lot of other people didn't either. So uh, they get a win out of that whole thing anyway. So that's right for them and probably some money. Oh, but no, I can't. I mean, well, I'd say I can't think of anybody better to talk about it with, but in our, our group chat earlier today, you did try to trade two pitchers. I'm very partial to, so maybe I do need to bring somebody else on. We, um, William and I have a group thread going with one of our buddies, Jared, and, uh, always talking baseball, proposing trades or talking about moves that are happening or not happening. And, Earlier today, Willie tried to trade Cody Morris in a trade, and then he mentioned Logan T. Allen. And those are two guys I am very partial to prospect-wise that I don't think the Guardians should move because they're good. And, and Willie was but like, nope, I'm going to move them. In all fairness, Justin, I was trying to get back Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, so you didn't mention no, that. No, you weren't. Come on. <laughs> don't lie to people. Come on. No. It was, one of them was for Ian Happ. Come on. <laughs> I don't even remember who it was for. One, one was Ian Happ. I think it was Cody Morris and Jose Tina for for Ian Happ. And Jose Tina's side of things was just fine, but not Cody Morris. Although they do have to trade some – they're going to have to trade some guys. I guess I guess Jose Tina is one of them. But how about, um, how about the, the stretch he's finishing with in the AFL? I mean – I think going into this offseason, you and I both agreed that there was probably no room for him on the roster, and then he's having a heck of a uh, AFL campaign. He's, I think he's surpassed Richie Palacios in a lot of categories. I don't think he has the volume Palacios has r- racked up in the AFL because he's playing more, but Tina's kind of forced his way in the lineup more often and hitting over 400, high OPS. He's got a 13% walk rate. In the AFL, that's a huge improvement for him, even though it's a small sample size. And 
you know, I sent you that message earlier today. I was like, I don't think you can keep. I don't think you can keep Rosario and Jimenez and Owen Miller and Yu Chang and Ernie Clement, Gabriel Arias, Brian Rocchio, Tyler Freeman, and Jose Tena on the forty-man roster. I don't. I don't think there's enough room on one forty-man roster for all those guys. And I thought coming into the offseason that Jose Tena was a guy that they couldn't afford to keep, and maybe they should look to trade him. But and maybe they still can. But I still don't think he's going to get taken. But he is certainly making the argument a lot harder right now don't you think certainly with that kind of showing in front of in front of big league um staffs high level coaches scouts that are there um you know we've seen other guys who have been pressed when they were out there and get taken i i think to me you almost either have to add him to your roster or you have to trade him Friday. Um, he's one I would love to see them find a way to keep around. I mentioned having short stops on different tiers or on different levels. Uh, he's a few levels behind the other guys that, you know, like Freeman and Rocchio and Arias and, and Jimenez. Um, but he's definitely impressed this year. Winning the gold glove last week, too, by the way. You didn't mention that. Um, another Yeah, that's another one. Another impressive feat on his behalf. I mean, it has been a heck of a off season, if you could call it that, for him. Um, you know, I, I I think that they almost have to trade him or trade somebody above him. Uh, there's a lot of possibilities. That's a lot of ways that they can go with this, and hopefully, they're active. Sounds sounds like, according to what I've read at, in measles pieces, that uh, they're they've been pretty active and trade conversations, and that's probably the way that they're going to go with any big additions this offseason. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if one or two of these middle infielders end up traded. I would think so, and it's more impressive, the gold glove piece. So people don't, I don't think people realize that the gold glove in the major leagues has become kind of watered down, like they feel like it goes, people don't deserve it, and I can, I can agree with that. Um, but it is voted on by coaches in the minor leagues. So – minor league coaches voted for Jose Tena as the gold glove at shortstop. And that wasn't just like high a where he was playing. It was minor league wide. So he beat out every coach in the minors who voted, you know, enough of them voted for Jose Tena over everybody else in the entire um, and, and minor yeah. leagues. And that's over, over his own teammates or, or organization mates and Brian Rocchio and Gabriel Arias, who were both, fantastic defenders. So that says a lot about his potential. Absolutely. Uh, or how good he is already. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, both how good he is now, but also for the future and amazing how, how young all three of those guys really are. You know, you have Arias who's knocking on the door next season and he's only 21. Rokio's 21. And then I think Tina is 20. So, you know, it, it's just, Good to see this organization be able to develop this talent. Now let's see them come through on the upper level, making it into the major league and transitioning and becoming successful players. We've seen that with Francisco Lindor, who was obviously a highly talented shortstop. Now let's see these other guys that they have in the orbit uh, develop. But what's promising about it, and, and you alluded to this previously, that Tina probably hasn't even peaked yet as, in terms of his value. That may be next offseason. Um 
that's why I think that you have to roster him now and then move a guy like Ernie Clement, uh, a Yu Chang, an Owen Miller, somebody else off of the roster. Let him build that value, and if you need to, hold on to him and let him be- become the organizational shortstop or end up dealing him next offseason um, for, for other parts, you know. Uh, you have to realize all of our pitching, I say our Cleveland's pitching is – uh, blossomed or blossoming around the same time. So guys like Shane Bieber, Aaron Savale, Zach Plesak, and even Cal Quantrill um, are going to end up becoming free agents within the time same time frame. Um, maybe they end up making a deal with a shortstop to bring in a young pitcher, uh, you know, somebody of the caliber of a Daniel Espino, a Cody Morris, an Ethan Hankins, uh, uh, Gavin Williams. Uh, I think that they can look outside the organization. That's something that this organization has always done is kept an eye on other organizations and um, look to capitalize on some players who didn't quite have the value or other teams didn't quite see the value there. And Cleveland's made some successful transitions or a few changes in terms of delivery or pitches and all of that and been very successful developing pitching, you know. Um, But with Tana, I, I think... He is one that I think now, like Palacios, both of those guys have played their way onto the roster, in my opinion, or they have played their way into a trade. Yeah, a couple of those guys for sure have, especially on the pitching end of things, because you can't protect everybody pitching-wise. Um, I did forget that I said that about Tana, and that is, that is definitely a concern that they might be forced to, not to say forced to trade him now, but they might have to at least look at that option. And I, I think that might be true. I think that I think you could see it in his AFL play that there's more there's more talent than he's already put on the field. I think there's just more to come, more growth. I mean, he's only 20 years old, like you said. I mean, he's got room to grow, especially considering he didn't really play in 2019, um, and he didn't play last year, obviously. So I think there's a lot more in the tank there, and. You're right. It might make sense to roster him and try to trade him a year from now or, or not even a year, like this offseason or, or – At the deadline. No, I guess they can trade him now. At the de- yeah, at the deadline, I should say. That's a good uh, – yeah. I, it's, you'd have to move move a lot of guys off the roster, I think, to fit him on. Because what we're both in agreement that I think I have to go back and look at what we wrote. So you were – we both – obviously the, the obvious candidates are um, – Freeman, Valera, Rocchio, you know, and those guys are a hundred percent, no doubt. Ads. I think Brian Lavastida is, is yeah, I think he is as well. And then after that, you have Richie Palacios and Cody Morris that are guys for sure. I think you add um, if you're going to keep them. And then after that, you've got you know the, the Quan, Pilkington. Um, Scott and Cantillo, Joey Cantillo and Adam, yeah, Adam Scott, all those guys. So I, I had them the last time we talked about this, last time you and I wrote, I had them opening up 10 spots to add these guys. So you have to clear right, right now they're 36 and that's what they have Sandlin and Naylor back on the roster. So they're at 36 right now. They have four spots to play with. So that's only enough for Valera, Rocchio, Freeman, um, and La Vestida, the guys that we know for sure are probably locks. So they've got, I in my estimation, still six spots to, to clear. 
and you're talking about adding 10 guys to a 40-man roster that are all prospects, that does not happen in a normal year. Like, in most years, people realize in most years, you add, like, you know, four, five, maybe six guys to your 40-man roster um, from the Rule 5 draft or to protect against the Rule 5 draft. Adding 10 would be a lot. And then that's that's that even with that 10, that's still saying you might leave off Tana or Joey Cantillo or, um, I mean, I guess I'll, Noel, but... I'll counterpoint you on that. That's just not normal. I'll counterpoint you on that because of the 10, and I'm assuming, I'll, I'll give 10 guys, I think, that belong on the roster right now. They, I think you can argue for 11. Um, Freeman, Rocchio, Arias, Morris, Tana, Lavastida, Valera, Palacios, Quan, and Pilkington. Now I've left off Noel, Scott, and Cantillo. Cantillo. Um, Freeman, probably in double A AA or triple A next, next year. Rocchio, double A, triple A. Arias, triple A. Maybe in the majors. Morris, triple A. Maybe in the majors. Tana, where double A? I don't. I don't know. You know how do how do you fit all of these shortstops in? Lavastida triple A, Valera double A, triple A next year. Palacios triple A major leagues. Quan Palacio. Uh, I'm sorry, Quan triple A major leagues. Pilkington triple A major leagues probably. So most of those guys are already at a high level. It's not like they're rostering guys that are in a ball, kind of like they did with Carlos Vargas a year ago. Um, these guys are already at a high level. They're ready to contribute. Some of them probably could have last year if given the opportunity. Um, you know, like a Morris or maybe even a Palacios if he was given a call up. Um, who knows with Freeman, with him getting injured. A lot of us thought that he would move quickly once he did, once he uh, got to play last year. But, you know, I, I think you have so many teams looking at a roster crunch, and then there's a, on the opposite spectrum. You have Oakland, who has 28 players on their roster right now. That's who I'm calling and I'm talking to. Uh, Oakland is already rumored to be moving salary. I'm willing to to take a little bit back. You know, there's a lot of big names out there. But I would look at a guy like Sean Murphy. Cleveland needs a catcher. Call him on Sean Murphy. He has four years of control. And offer him a pretty sizable package, including some of these players here. And you clear up a lot of that space. But um, going back to the roster, you said there's 36. There's four cuts I could make you know, and not think about it. And then, then after those four, I think it starts to get a little tricky. I think. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, they have to decide, you know, by the, the deadline is, um, is what Friday the 19th, I think is when they have to have everything in. It, it is. I mean, I don't know if it's tricky. Like to, to me, we already saw Cam Hill go. I think Kyle Nelson and Scott Moss are obvious uh, next cuts, at least, at least one of these outfielders. I you just can't go into next year with Mercado Ramirez and um, Bradley Zimmer. Like at least one of those guys has to go. Maybe two. All clones of each other. And I, yeah, they're. I mean, basically the same stuff. I mean, I to me, I still want to keep Zimmer, but Mercado and and Ramirez are the easiest ones to, I think, move on from. I mean, Mercado probably gets claimed if you do that. That's fine. Or you trade him for cash or. You include him in a small deal, like you said. Maybe he goes to Oakland and or whatever for a reliever. Like Lou Trevino is another guy from Oakland that, that they might put out there that I would like to see Cleveland go after. Um, Harold Ramirez, I don't think anybody's claiming him, but if so, you know, good for them. 
Um, the other thing to think about with this that's important is, and you and I have talked about this before, is like, yeah, there's 10 guys they should add prospect-wise that they have to clear room for still. But remember, they and I, I guess you can take care of this later, but you still have to keep room on your roster to add major league talent. Like if you're going to go after a backup catcher um, or a starting catcher, like you said, Sean Murphy, if that's a route they go down, or if you want to add um, an outfielder, like a Mar- I'm, not, I'm not saying this is the guy they're going after, but like a Marcana, just as an example, you still have to have room on your roster to make that addition. And does that come with future cuts? Um, does that come with a trade or, you know, what are you, you going to do? So, I fully expect by Friday their roster might be at 40 again because it, it's it's going to be hard to avoid, right? But the only way they're not at 40 come Friday is if they make some trades before then. And we've already seen some teams do this. Like Tampa Bay just traded Lewis Head and they traded Mike Brassau to um, Milwaukee. So they cleared two spots from their major league roster. I'm, I'm wondering why Cleveland hasn't done that yet. Maybe they're out there still kind of fishing around, seeing what they can do. Like I know – um, Scott Moss is not going to be attractive to a lot of teams or Kyle Nelson or, um, you know, Oscar Mercado, I would think might be attractive to some teams because he at least has some track record of success and he's still young and very controllable. And he has, and he's out of options, I guess is the hard part, but like, I would expect that they're going to make some of those type trades, right? They haven't done it yet, but the clock for sure is ticking. That's the only way I can see them getting down far enough to where they can make 10 ads and maybe more and maybe still have some wiggle room um, until they can make some transactions to add to the roster. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think everyone asks or, or people ask every year, why is this guy still on the team? Why did they keep Alex Young? Because he's an easy cut letter. Because he gives you left-handed depth. True. Yeah. Because he gives you left-handed depth. He has options and an easy, he's an easy cut letter. So he make it, he may make it over another guy that you think, why in, the, why in the world did they get rid of Justin Garza, for example, but they kept Alex Young because they can cut Young later, but they wanted to get Garza through waivers now when other teams were working on the roster or they felt like they could trade him and get some sort of value back, for example. Um, I, I do think we'll see a couple of small moves um, with all this. I don't know. It, it feels like a sense of urgency from some teams to make moves. Uh, you see the Rays already making a few minor moves and then some free agent signings going on. And it feels like there's some players that want to get things done. And I'm guessing that there's general managers that want to get things done too before the lockout hits in December. And who knows what happens between now and then. But when you have a surplus of talent like Cleveland does, you don't want to overpay to make a deal. But in the end, you know, you're kind of up against the wall. You're going to either lose this talent or you can – acquire a player or two that you want that you think really fits your team and that you have a, a opportunity to grandize, if you will, um, the roster that you have and the talent that you have. And that that's in my opinion, why you would add a guy like a Sean Murphy who is controllable for four years or why you would go after a Jacob Stallings. Even, you know, I haven't mentioned him a whole lot other than saying, I think the pirates should trade him. He's an older player. He's 31 already, but he's also controllable for three years. He's just now into his ARB years. Um, Danny Jansen is somebody that Zach Measel referenced at The Athletic. He's controllable for another three years. He's somebody that I really hadn't put much thought into as far as availability because I know that Toronto has liked him as their starting catcher. 
but they also have Gabriel Moreno coming. They have Alejandro Kirk and they have um, Reese McGuire too. And then you have Atlanta who has a quite a bit of depth in the, at the catching position, you know, so there's, there's trades to be had and trades to be made. And I suspect that we'll see some of those, maybe a minor one, maybe Cleveland hasn't made a minor move because they're working on something larger. Uh, they want to focus on that right now and then see if they can get that done. And if they can't, they'll come back with a couple of small deals, maybe flip an, an Ernie Clement with uh, Justin Garza for a player or something of that caliber. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they packaged an Owen Miller and Ernie Ernie Clement with a prospect for for a reliever or something of that sort. Yeah, and I, I don't mean to say that everybody on this roster they can trade. Like you can't trade all these guys who we think are fringe roster guys for people. Like you're like even so, you're going to trade, you know, for what uh, a guy who's an A ball teenager or cash or hopefully, hopefully a comp pick. Right, that's that's the goal is. Flip one of these guys for a awesome. uh, competitive balance pick in next year's draft. Assuming there is a that's what that's the assuming there is a one a draft and also a um, competitive balance round next year because we don't know that there is, but that all depends. On the I would think they. I would think, and as far as the CBA goes, I would think. <clears throat> excuse me, they would have to grandfather next year's draft in, right? Like, I, I mean. Teams are preparing all winter and players are preparing all winter for the 2022 draft to be a certain way. I would think that if they make any changes to the draft, to the CBA, that most of it would be aimed towards 2023. Like I would think the 2022 draft gets grandfathered in and because you're already talking about like, you know, the Angels sign Noah Syndergaard today and they're going to lose a comp pick and the Mets are going to gain a comp pick. Um, I would think that all those teams like make qualifying offers and players to turn them down and all that, that is impacted by the draft. I would think they have to let that, that stay in absolutely come next year. So I mean, for that next year it may not matter. I hope it does. And I would, I would hate to see them change it now. Uh, but I would like to see Cleveland get a third or a second, uh, second comp pick. Sorry. I think, I don't, I don't know who you, you package in that, but I mean, if you're going to get some guys off your roster and you don't want to add more to the roster, you might as well get a compact uh, in addition to cash. But um, so has your, has your list changed at all? Like, I mean, this is kind of the focus of what we're talking about this week, even though we have some other stuff, but sure. Sure. your your initial list was Freeman, Rocchio, Pilkington, Morris, Cantillo, Lavastita, Valera, and Quan. So that's eight guys you, you added to the 40 man roster. Um, you, you had originally suggested that, uh, Palacios, Tana and Adam Scott would be traded instead of added. So, um, are you, are you sticking with that eight right now or have you changed anything at all? I think that they'll end up dealing a couple of guys. I I really feel like it'll end up being a few players and it may or may not be from that group. I'll say it's as many as 10. Um, it seems like that's the number of points throughout. Or, or Pluto, and I know that's what you mentioned earlier. Um, I expect, like I said, I, I really feel like they'll probably make a trade or two, and it won't be anything major right now. I think all the major stuff happens after the lockout. Um, but I would not be surprised if they try to bring in a reliever or something like that, or a, a guy that's an A-ball, kind of like they did with Mark Mathias. I would honestly expect a deal or two like that that clears a couple of spots, and then you end up putting 10 guys on the roster. 
and that you know of that ten, they may, yeah, I'm, I'm they may end up that. moving a, a Tana for a let's say they traded Jose Tana straight up for I don't know Tanner Scott or somebody somebody that I like like that you know. Yeah, I wonder how soon that can happen. I guess is the issue. I mean, they could easily announce Friday trades and who they're protecting. They could do it all in one fell swoop. I guess they could be working out all, all this. Um, come that time, I wouldn't be surprised if they added Tana and then traded him after. Um, I could see it happening by Friday, but I also, I still think they could easily add him and then make a trade after the fact. So I'm, I'm kind of on. I don't know. I'm kind of thinking they have to add him at this point. Like I, I usually say, I'm not going to let a small sample size sway me, you know, and, and he's only had what 50 at bats and uh, not even that in the Arizona fall league, but uh, baseball America suggested today that he almost seemed like a lock to be added or a common sense to be added. So I, I might kind of say that he has to be on that list and I already have, um, I already had eight myself with, with Valera, Rocchio, Freeman, Lavacita, Morris, Palacios, Pilkington, and Quan. And I might even add Joey Cantillo to that. I know I said Adam Scott, but um, I don't know. Maybe, like I said, maybe one of those guys traded. So I'm kind of thinking it's going to be nine or 10. We both had eight, but I think, I really think come Friday, we could easily see them saying 10 and, um, it might depend on like what do they hear with JC Mejia? Is he gonna get a fourth option? Because if he gets a fourth option, then you know you hang on to him because you know you send the triple A and you you utilize that depth. But Logan Allen doesn't have an option and I don't think Sam Hentges is getting one. So you make a decision there. Um, like we talked about, Alex Young, easy cut, um, Kyle Nelson, Scott Moss, easy cuts. Uh at least one outfielder, maybe two. And then you got to figure out what are you going to do at shortstop? Like, do you, there's, there's no possible way. I know we talked about this ad nauseum, but there's no possible way that you, you go into 2022 unless you're, unless, the, unless the CBA expands the rosters to 30 players. Like, I don't see how Owen Miller and Yu Chang and, and Ernie Clement and Andre Jimenez all have any kind of spot to play on the roster because you don't have enough playing time or options to, to make it work here. So I'm thinking Chang or Clement gets traded this offseason at the very least. And that's why I even threw I out uh, Owen Miller, because you could hold on to either of the other two, depending on if they upgrade first base or not. Um, you know, if they, if they choose right. to upgrade first base, that could be, that could free Miller and that can free Chang to be dealt elsewhere. Um, Clement seems like he's probably going to be a marginal roster guy that is a utility guy. And you, you need those right. guys. Don't get me wrong. He he serves that position well, but it's about roster construction and how this team is made up. And, and Owen Miller could still develop into an everyday second baseman for somebody. Um, on another, and they both got options. Yeah, right and, Chang does not have options. That's the, things that, the thing that complicates things is, is you Chang going to get to – compete for second base or, or what, you know, um, I, I tend to think that you move a guy like him, but, um, you know, like I said, I I suspect that there'll be a couple of minor moves beforehand. I I really don't think that there'll be anything major right now, but I think they'll move a couple of guys probably get like a, a ball catcher or something back kind of like they did with Mark Mathias. 
that would probably be their focus is to go for a younger prospect, just like Tampa Bay did um, with a uh, Mike Rousseau deal with the Brewers. Um, why not try to pursue that route again? Uh, my guess is, is they're probably pursuing something larger early in the week and seeing what they can pull off. If they can pull off anything, maybe something that they worked on at the meetings last week. Um, but my guess is that they ultimately end up making a deal or two on Friday. And then you see cuts like Young and Moss and Nelson, then maybe Mercado for cash or something like that. And then a couple of maybe a minor deal or two. Um, I think one thing we know is they'll, they'll be searching the market for catching. And that's why I've mentioned catching so much. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they already lost one option. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. They lost an option with Manny Pina. That's what they lost. Um, <laughs> he would have been fun too. <laughs> That that was very quick too. I mean, man, like he, they didn't Atlanta did not waste any time, and you just talked about it. They have, well, uh, William Contreras, or I should say, Williams Contreras, and um, Shea Langoliers, and somebody else. But man, Drew, Drew Lugerbauer, Travis I, I Denard, guess... Manny Pina, Manny Pina, and Travis Denard are on very similar deals, but they're all controllable through twenty twenty three. Uh, William Contreras is the younger brother of Wilson Contreras. I think he played in 50 games last year and it hit eight home runs. Hit something like. Quite humble. Why not? Hit like uh, 215, though, you know. So I don't think he's ever been a big contact hitter, but there's a little bit of pop there and he can play catcher, you know. But somebody I think Cleveland should pursue or check in on. You know, you need a backup catcher or you need a catcher of the future. So. Yeah, I mean, Sean Murphy's a good target. You're right. I mean, to, oh, I should say not two options because you and I both threw out Tucker Barnhart as an option and. I want to say the same day that we had our articles run about our offseason plans, Tucker Barnhart got traded to the Tigers. So immediately he was gone. And then now it sounds like the Tigers want to uh, sign him to a contract extension, which is interesting because um, they have Dylan Dingler, but I guess you can move Dylan Dingler around. He does not have to stay a catcher. But I think it shows Cleveland could do the same thing. It shows the value of catching in the game, too, when you have guys who are hitting below 200 and they have that sort of value. And that was Manny Pina. He hit. 184, I think, last year and 13 home runs, but he's a solid defensive catcher, um, can still catch guys trying to steal base. Um, and just somebody who is solidifies the position for a couple of years. You know, he's not a long-term piece, didn't cost them a lot of money. That would have been a, a really good signing for Cleveland, but I can see why he would go to Atlanta too. Yeah, catching and pitching for sure we can see comes at a premium. And the good thing is Cleveland's got lots of pitching, and they don't really have a lot of catching, although they have two guys in the system they can at least uh, make a decision on. I mean, Lavastida is going to be added to the roster, and this next year, you know, maybe Bo Naylor, or maybe you trade one of those guys. I mean, like you mentioned, Sean Murphy. I, I don't know if you can – maybe you can keep both long-term, but if you do, it moves – it involves moving one of them off the position most likely, even though you do need to back up. But, um, you know, Naylor – when he was drafted, people thought he could be drafted as a third baseman. And I know he had a tough year, but the back can still play a third. And Brian Lavastino was a catcher, or I'm sorry, a third baseman and shortstop in college. And he's um, worked out at first and second base this offseason in, in trucks and stuff like that. So you can certainly explore those options if you keep them both. But yeah, I think you can go ahead and trade for a Sean Murphy and have one of the young guys play and you know, eventually transition Murphy to like a backup or have like a 60-40 split if you like if you like both catchers that much. 
definitely a position they need to upgrade. And I mean, if they don't go that route, then you're talking about, you know, a reunion with Roberto Perez or Jan Gomes. And quite frankly, I'm not even sure who else is out on the free agent market catching wise. Because I think Carhart, Torinos. Yeah. I, I don't know if he quite fits them because I don't, I don't know if um, defensively he has a whole lot going on that, that they, cause no, they obviously value defense. And if you're going to look at guys, think they're going to sign, I feel like he's probably not a fit. I have to go back and look and see, cause catching is a really bad market. Pena has gone. Uh, we thought that Cincinnati would turn down Barnhart's extension, but they did not. They traded him and the Tigers are picking it up. So yeah, it's, it's Jan Gomes or it's Roberto Perez or uh, I think you mentioned Pedro, Pedro Severino. Yeah, I did. But when I Maybe. dug into his defensive numbers, no, I'll pass. <laughs> Pretty bad. Okay. Um, maybe maybe Tony. Maybe they finally. We've been talking about Tony Walters coming back for over a year. Um, maybe they go that route. I don't know. So I, to me, it looks like Gomes, Perez, maybe Tony Walters or a trade. They, but Chris Anthony definitely said they will look to go outside the organization to bring in catching depth this year. So to me, that means you know a free agent or a trade, but also. Triple A depth as well because look look at the trouble they got into this year where, um, and and I think that was part of shoot I can't remember I think that was name. part of the reason they brought in Wilson Ramos which was an offensive upgrade and a defensive position for this organization so I think it does show a willingness to go that route yeah that was unfortunate um, and then he ended yeah. up having that knee injury which took him out for this year I, I think the plan was for him to be an offensive upgrade for this year and be a battery mate. Um, with Austin Hedges. Yeah. Obviously that didn't happen. Maybe they'll go after Wilson Contreras. They were linked to him before in the past. Don't know if they'll be willing to pay that price. And I don't know that the Cubs will want to um, give him up, even though he does have one year of control with catching at a premium. Um, Why move him now when they can probably get the same sort of return if they choose to at the deadline? Um, just because catching is so valuable, but you know, I've talked about there being an an emphasis uh, about the the catching position, having a defensive emphasis. Um, I I think because of the premium and catching, if you're going to spend a premium or pay the premium price for a position, why not go for a guy like a a Sean Murphy? Um, Another guy that Zach Measel threw out in the, his piece at the athletic, Definitely recommend people signing up for that because he drops a lot of little nuggets and good information in there. Um, But he mentioned Elias Diaz, who is the catcher for the Rockies. He's somebody that was a catcher for the Pirates at one point in time, and I I haven't seen him play in several years. So I don't remember a whole whole lot about him, but I I do know he hit almost 20 home runs this year. but I looked him looked him up, and I think he only has one year of control remaining, so he would be a rental sort of guy. Um, but no, no matter what the thing is with Austin Hedges is he's only controlled for one more year, and you still run into the same conundrum again next offseason. Where does your backup catcher come from, or where does your starting catcher come from? That's why I'm starting to pound the table, get Wilson Contreras or get Sean Murphy and make it a long-term upgrade. And, and you know, bring in Contreras, offer him some money, extend that man, and keep him here. Yeah, they, they definitely need to do something on that end because they haven't had a healthy catcher in a while since 2019 at this point, as far as a full timer or, you know, even a guy who 
their catching their catching situation has been so fluid between it's um, yeah it's almost as bad as the uh, owner, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I hate to say that, but yeah, I mean, they, well, look, I mean, they even bounce back and forth. Look, I mean, uh, 20, 2016, Jan Gomes was the starter; he got hurt. Roberto Perez steps in; he makes an impact uh, in, in the playoffs in the World Series. So that's great. And then from I think from twenty from twenty sixteen on, you know, it was it was tough between um though Perez and Gomes because one of them was always hurt or underperforming or Gomes would be hurt and Perez would play and he'd be okay and then he might get hurt and you know they I mean catchers get hurt, but man, it's just like they need some stability there for sure. And like you said, Hedges is the only guy they have beyond this year, or um only guy they have under contract and you know, if they think that they have the catcher of the future in the minors, whether that's an Ailer or Lavastida, that's great. But I think you have to plan for easing them in slowly, or you know, having having a backup for them to have on on the roster to learn from and um, somebody you trust because catching is is not a you know nobody catches 140 games anymore. It's it's more of a uh, 120 and and 40 split if at the best. Like even even some teams or some situations you know, might be more of a 100 start, 60 start tandem. So, you know, you can't just have one guy catch six days a week. It doesn't work like that anymore. Um, especially when you value defense. So, yeah, they, they have to make some moves there, and, and it's going to be interesting. Diaz, I like Diaz's numbers. I just looked at him. I didn't I didn't even think about him before. I know he used to play for the Pirates. His defensive numbers, he threw out a, a good amount of runners this year and um, wasn't the best framer, but – um, it looks like he does a great job with, uh, in terms of the run game, which they obviously value. I don't know about, he had eight pass balls this year. That seems like a lot, but, um, if, if he's your backup, that's fine, you know, for a year, but you know, it's awfully risky to go into a season and, and 2023, you're like, okay, we don't have any catchers under contract 2023. So, um, you know, Lava Theater and better be it. That's a, that's a. It's definitely a situation I don't know if they want to walk into. I'm sure they will do something to address that, whether it's training for somebody young or or um you know, getting somebody here at least for two years. I think I think for sure if you if you feel like one of Naylor Lavastita is your catcher of the future, you have to have somebody on under contract that you know you can control at least in twenty twenty three, right? Like I don't think you can go in twenty twenty three with just Lavastida. If you feel like Lavastida is the catcher of the future, do you play him at second base and first base and other positions and extended? Yeah, I mean, look, everybody extended spring training plays a lot of positions. I mean, shoot. Um, yeah, Kenzie Noel played outfield but in extended happen. spring training. I mean, everybody Brandel's plays everywhere. outfield too, so that's going to happen. <laughs> Noel's going to play outfield too. We know that's going to be our – that's the corner of the future. Yeah. No, Noel in left, <laughs> Reyes in right, and Miles Straw uh, is going to run – well, he's going to run his tail off too. <laughs> they're going to be the they're going to be the Cleveland Stampede if those guys are in the outfield. Jeez. Uh, yikes! Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, look, to, Tony Walters yep. played some infield. I was actually thinking um, about um, Vigio because he wasn't like Vigio who who played second base too in center field. Um, well. But he didn't do it the same year. I'm talking about having a yeah. guy do it in the same year, like Super um, Kyle Farmer, I think, and, and Will Smith. I think those are guys that have played like catcher and infield in the same season. And and you know, if, if you're sure that a guy's bat is good enough to play, 
or you know i think i think the old, the old uh saying is you know if if you're if you can hit they'll find a position for you and this is what happened to jose ramirez you know jose ramirez got here and then he played short then he played second then he played outfield then he played third um if your bat takes off they're less likely to to move you around so i think if Lavastida's bat like just clicks and takes off, then yeah, he's probably not going to catch in play second base. You're going to find him a home between one of those two positions because it's hard to bounce back and forth between those two spots. But it's nice to have you know, a, a guy with catching experience on your roster. Like he would immediately become your emergency catcher, right? Because he's done it before and he can maybe do it in a bind. Um, but and until his bat takes off, I think you can afford to ask him to catch and then ask him to play you know, first or second, if, if he's good enough to do it. I don't know if he, I haven't seen him at second base, but I think in theory, it's not a bad idea. If you feel like he can, if he can handle it, if his bat and isn't could, uh, pick up so good, too. you have to kind of settle down. He's a guy, I think they probably a little bit of left I mean, field. I think not? he's got enough arm for it. Um, and I was being devil, devil's advocate there, by the way. I, yeah. I, I don't think that's a, a picture of his future as a catcher. I, I think he has a, a good chance at being a marginal starting catcher. Um, marginal because I don't know I don't know how right. far he's come. But I know the numbers have looked really good for him defensively in comparison to some of his peers on a similar level. Um, but it's, it remains to be seen if he can maintain that at, at the highest level over 120 games. Uh, but I think there's a good future there for Lavastida, somebody I've been very high on for a long time. So in addition to the catching thing we just explored, how about outside or in the division we talked about um, – Tucker Barnhart going to the Tigers. They also got better with Eduardo Rodriguez um, signing this week. And it's it's good to see at least some moves are happening. Some teams are making signings. There has been some minor trades. Um, I don't know. I'm encouraged there's at least free agent news. I know it's going to stop at some point because the there's going to be a lockout in two weeks. I think everybody is just resigned to that at this point. Um I don't know. I hope I hope Cleveland has some some moves on their list to make before that, um, before the the lockout happens. But I don't know. The Tigers for me, they're going to. I mean, you get Barnhart and Eduardo Rodriguez. They're probably going to add a shortstop, one of the shortstops in the free agent class. They're they're getting better. Um, the Royals have some up and coming talent. The the I, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm really. The White Sox have probably the best roster in the division right now because they have the best lineup, but I'm not really convinced their pitching is going to be good enough next year. And I still feel like Tony La Russa kind of holds them back some. So I don't know. I, I think there's, I think I still think this division's kind of wide open for next year. If Cleveland goes out and, and, you know, make some additions, I think that if they get that and some health for 2021 or 2022, I should say, I, I still think they have a shot to contend. It may not be like a, you know, a great shot, but I think it's reasonable to think they can win 85 games next year, 86 games with some health and, and adding some guys. And uh, well, with they can, they with can maturation compete. of some of the guys that they have already, let's hope that James Karinczak is a semblance of himself or, or what we had seen um, now that they're making sticky balls or may allow some sort of sticky substance. Let's hope that that helps him. And, and also you have just the sheer volume of talented players in the, in the system that 
may be able to contribute next year. They seem to have higher ceilings, higher floors um, than some of the guys that are in the organization or that got to play last year, like Harold Ramirez and, and Oscar Mercado at this point, and, and maybe even Bradley Zimmer, um, who I think that they will probably keep around because of his defensive prowess um, and affordability and, you know, the sheer fact that they invested in him as a first round pick years ago, but they have shown a willingness to move on. Um, we saw with Tyler Naquin last off season. Um, I, I don't think that this team requires huge upgrades to be a contender next year. Um, it really comes to a willingness right. of how much money are they going to bring on? They've said that they're going to spend a little bit, uh, that could mean ten million. That could mean twenty. That could mean thirty. Who knows? I doubt that it's more than twenty or twenty-five million. Um, especially with the uncertainty surrounding Sinclair and Valley Sports and, and all of that, that could be a, a whole nother mess. And frankly, I could see why they would be apprehensive to spend money when that money may never show up. Um, that's definitely something that raises concern and even more concern with the potential of a uh, Jose Ramirez extension happening or not happening. Uh, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you said that you said the magic words. I don't know. We haven't touched on yeah, that. In a while, and but... I don't want to get too much into I've... that. Cause I think this pod is more about the, yeah. the 40 man and decision day coming. Um, yeah. But I, I think all of that plays into it too. You know, maybe they go out and bring in a Corey Dickerson and, and upgrade at catcher or something, you know, and they acquire Luke Voigt in a, a trade from the Yankees or Joey Gallo. <laughs> who, who didn't seem to- mm, Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw a good three-team trade out there that involved him. I think it was the Yankees, the A's, and the um, Padres. I, I saw a good one out there that actually made a lot of sense. I know – Fan Twitter trades don't make a lot of sense, but I have to go find it. There yeah, was one. That I, made a lot I of saw sense that one too. The three teamer with Hosmer going to the Athletics. Um, that that's what what's going to happen if there becomes a salary floor. Teams like Oakland and maybe Cleveland, at some extent, will take yeah. on these huge salaries of players who under underperforming. Will Myers, you know, another guy that could be moved because he's got a huge salary but not the production. Um, I, there's a lot of decisions. I think, like I said, a, a couple of times already, there'll, there'll be a couple of moves to come this week. But I, I really feel, feel like this team, if you went as is, I think that they can win 85, 88 games, if, if, assuming they were healthy. Bringing in a couple of offensive upgrades, and this can be 90-plus win team, which would put them right into the playoffs, I think. And I think they can compete for the di- di- yeah, for the division, if I could talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, I know. Yeah, I I think they're right firmly in it with some health. I, that that would have been. The, I mean, you could say they were last year if they were healthy. They didn't have their three most experienced starters um, for a, a good amount of time. And and really, the thing to point out with that is too. I don't want to get too deep into this, but when when all those pitchers went down, when Plesac and and Bieber and Savali all went down, um, they were definitely in a bad way as far as depth because they were relying on J.C. Mejia and. Jeez, um, who else? Eli Morgan and uh, Sam Henches, who two of those three guys probably couldn't shouldn't have been on a major league roster last year, but they had no choice. That was before Cal Quantrill even emerged as a legitimate starter. So now you're coming into next year with with Cal Quantrill as an 
a reliable, experienced starter who might be your third or fourth best starter. So your pitching just got even deeper because of that than last year. And I like that. I know, I know Cody Morris and um, Connor Pilkington and I'm trying to think who else is going to be Eli Morgan. next year. I mean, no, I know. Well, yeah, yeah, you're gonna probably. hopefully Eli Morgan goes at goes at the Adam play. Scott, yeah, and, and Peyton, hopefully, and Peyton Battenfield, those guys I know don't have any experience in the major leagues, but I like what they've accomplished just as prospects so far enough to believe that they are better prospect depth for your pitching rotation than um, than a Sam Hedges who has lost the season to Tommy John and didn't get to pitch in 2020 and didn't have a great 2019, to be frank. And Jason Mejia, who's missed a ton of time to injuries, um, and didn't pitch last year. And Eli Morgan, who didn't pitch last year. And Scott Moss, who was hurt and didn't pitch. So I, I feel like, as far as prospects go, they have much better depth going the next year, in addition to adding Cal Quantrill to your known quantity of pitching. So the pitching gets better next year, which is good. They kind of had a down year from that respect, I guess. And they still managed to win 80 games with injuries. So I feel like it with some health, they're for sure they're a contender and they can make some moves and they have some some guys to play with. Like we have, we finally avoided talking to Med Rosario for the first 45 minutes of this podcast. And I still have no idea what they're going to do with Med Rosario next year. And um, that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. I don't know. There's, there's so many options. Like I feel like it. I, the, the CBA talk is going to wipe a lot of this away, unfortunately, which sucks. But as, as someone who has followed the team for a long time, has covered the team from top to bottom, if I were a fan or just an observer of teams who could make a, have a very interesting offseason, if you combine the fact that, A, Ancinetti said the payroll is going to go up, however much we don't know, and, and just the roster status, like this should have had a, this, this offseason should have been a chance for them to have so much go on from the, from a trade standpoint. They have so much to play with as far as prospects and and guys on the roster like Owen Miller and Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez and Yu Chang like they have so much they can do to create a good roster going forward it's just the offs you know the CBA is probably gonna dampen a lot of that that sucks you know like I, I think I think they had a chance to have a really fun offseason and now I don't know how fun it's gonna be Willie you there all right Willie I can't hear you for there bud Hmm. I'm not sure what happened to William. Maybe yeah, there's we'll, a, we'll get him a back. lot of decisions uh, to be made, as we've said a number of times. I can times. kind of hear him, but I kind of can't hear him. Okay. A lot of decisions. Okay. Can you hear me now, Willie? Yeah, I can hear you. You were fading in and out on me. Um, as as we've okay. said, you know, a lot of decisions to be made. I think some of them are pretty clear. I think there's a, a few clear cuts, at least three, maybe four. And then from there, a deal or two will take place, in my opinion. I know we had a bunch of questions that you wanted to get to, too. Yeah, let's do that real quick. It's uh, about 50 minutes, and we should definitely do that. All right, let's uh, let's roll through. Well, first, let's let's do the uh, the interesting news. Ken Gr- uh, Costa Rican Surf on Twitter asked us if we're changing our name to Guardians Baseball Insider. Well, uh, I guess breaking news, or not breaking news, but we're going to let the cat out of the bag. Yeah, Uh we will change to Guardians Baseball Insider probably, I don't know, this week, next week. Whenever the team makes it official, we'll make it official uh, online and on Twitter and all that. So, yeah, that's happening. Um, 
all that steps have already been taken care of. Thankfully, on our end, there's no legal battle for that, uh, which is good. We've got a bunch of questions from our buddy uh, Nunzio Izzo. Do you want to talk about Ahmed Rosario playing left field for us? Yeah, I guess that's still an option. We we only briefly touched on Ahmed Rosario, and uh, I don't know. As far as, as far as I'm concerned, he's the shortstop until Cleveland does something that says he's not. So I, I have a hard time um, wondering what to do with him until they make another decision. Uh, and he wanted to know our thinking on who gets removed from the roster and who gets added. I think we probably discussed that already for the most part, right? I think we're good there. And then the nexus of the Cubs Guardians deals, I would say I don't know, Ian Happ, you talk about William Contreras, Wilson Contreras and then Ian Happ, I think those two guys have a good chance of being traded here or at least Ian Happ, I know you said to hang on to Contreras, but um I wouldn't be surprised the Cubs traded either of those guys to be honest and if if one ends up here, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't yeah. know about both, but I say one. higher probability that Ian Happ is a guardian than Contreras. Um, first of all, Contreras is more of a bat first type of catcher, um, quality bat at that. But I think with Happ's two years of control and I think around a six million projected salary next season, that seems to fit Cleveland's payroll and Cleveland's future a little bit better, uh, and fills a need, of course. Right. Yeah, I would say Happ right now, and and we'll see from there. Uh, even though he has more control, I think Contreras, um, because of the of how how valued catching is right now, I think his price is going to be a lot higher. And than Hap, think, so we'll see. Depends on what I they think do if you do go after Contreras, you can always offer him a qualifying offer at the end of next season. Um, my bet is he'll he will look for a, a four year deal, kind of like uh, Grandal got. I think with the White Sox, that would be his market in my opinion. Yeah, and he'll yeah, get it too. He'll definitely get it, depending on what the the CBA looks like. And then he asked about Damon Cassetta Stubbs. Uh, he didn't have a good day today, but I know he's pitched okay down there. I wouldn't say great. Um, what are his prospects going forward? I don't know. I I get to see him, but I think he's probably just a a depth reliever arm. Uh, yeah, he's young. Anyone in the PD in the organization for some people? Yeah, that will not be according to IBI. GBI, so. by the way. Or GBI, GBI by then. <laughs> we'll get to work on that. Uh, a couple more questions from him. Do you think that Hankins and Vargas will be cleared to start up in spring training? Uh, I talked to James Harris at the end of the minor league season. He did say that um, as of right now, I mean, anything can happen. But as of right now, they look like they're on track to be ready for spring training. I did see video on Instagram of Vargas throwing off flat ground and Hankins. I don't know if either of them have thrown off the mound yet, but... Um, they're throwing off flat ground, so, you know, off the mound is the next progression. So uh, everything is pointing towards them being ready for next year. We don't have time to get in and do it today because I know you and I both like him. But, man, I am excited to see Carlos Vargas come back next year. And I really want to see what they decide to do with him because you and I both had him pegged for the bullpen to begin with because of his skill set and how quickly he could move. But I think the the, lo- the lost option year because of the surgery – and how much pitching they have in the system right now between the draft and what they've acquired uh, puts him on a track to be in the bullpen. And if that's the case, I am very ready for that for him. We could we could spend a lot of time talking about that some other day. Uh, let's see. The other one from him was, despite the report unlikeliness of it happened, can you risk losing a talent like Noel no matter how remote it is? I don't think he could take that chance. 
yeah, I still disagree. I, I just don't see a team taking a chance on him. I just, I don't have, I, I have almost no concerns about Noel going, to be I, honest. I'm not too concerned with him going, to be honest. I did throw out the idea that he would go in my um, off-season write-up um, just because I felt like Cleveland could lose somebody and I wanted to throw out a name that people would know and is likely available. I think good chance somebody, maybe an Adam Scott, if he's unprotected, Cantillo, if he's unprotected, it really comes down to who's unprotected. Um, Cantillo, I I say you can risk losing him because he hasn't, hey, because he has barely pitched in two years. Adam's got another guy who is a left-handed reliever. Teams eat that up, but he's not a guy that has a high, um, a high ceiling. So he's a low ceiling reliever that would be somebody somebody could probably plug in and and you know offer fifty innings as a left-handed reliever next year. You don't want to lose that, but at the same time, when you have the depth that Cleveland does, I think you're running that risk. That's why I think they will make a move or two before Friday. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to lose them. I mean, could someone take them? Yes, I just see the probability of some team going in the next year thinking they can hang on to Noel on a forty on a 26-man roster. And, and a team like Washington. Oh, I guess it depends on the new CBA. Barely can field a team right now, I think, <laughs> with the quality of talent that they have. That. And right. then Oakland, who only has 28 players on the roster. Of course, they have to add players before Friday, but they have a ton of room. And Washington has really nothing in the minor leagues in terms of quality prospects. A few guys in the top 10 and then really outside of that. And even some of those those guys are newer players that don't have to be added for a few years. So. Yeah, the Pirates, I'm sorry, the uh, the Mets are also another team. They only have 32 on their 40-man roster right now, and the Met, and the Phillies have 31. Oakland's got 28. So, yeah, all three of those teams for sure. Um, Oakland for sure because they're not going to be good next year. I don't know about the Phillies, but that that's another good set for this question. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, but um, I had a question from Aaron Bachman who wanted to know if you're down to one spot left, um, and picking between Jose Tena, Joey Cantillo, and Stephen Kwan, who is getting your last spot, Willie? Oh, that's deadly. <laughs> the highest rated, yeah, that's a, that's a yeah, good that's question. A great question. The highest rated of those three for me is Jose Tena right now. I think he's going to have the most value because of his position, his youth compared to the other two. Um and most upside of the three. I think you have a potential for three major league players right there, though. Um, I will say that. And and if I have to pick, then I'm trading the other two. I'll just put it to you that way. I'm not losing them. I'm going to package them for a reliever or for something, but I'm not going to lose them for free. Yeah, for sure. Um, Cancelo is a hard one for me, like you said before, about him not pitching in two years. I think that's someone you have to seriously consider leaving off the roster. I know it's tough, and they traded for him. And I like his upside, but um, he's missed most. He's, he hasn't pitched most of the last two years. And uh, as far as pecking order is concerned, cause I, I think they're going to add Connor Pilkington. So you have to kind of factor in the already adding someone like that to the roster. Uh, you're not going to add Cantillo as well, maybe. And then there's Adam Scott. but um, And the likelihood of what, Cantillo and Adam Scott both being taken? Like, I feel like that's not very high. Like, could they both go? Yes, but are they both likely to go? I don't know. The last guy on that list I would keep, I, I think I would have to go with Quan over Tana just because of um, the outfield thing. I think Stephen Quan is somebody who can make an impact next year. And 
I mean, going back to what you said earlier in the podcast, keeping Tana around and trading him like at the deadline next year because he could easily uh, be adding value and being so valuable in a trade next year, it would be hard to lose him in the Rule 5 draft this year because, or even trade him this year if you had to because I think there's more to come there. But right now, because of the outfield situation, I'm keeping Quan over uh, in that list. That's, so. that's who my choices were between Tana and Quan. I just went for upside with Tana, feeling that there would be more value long-term. But that would be my pecking order, Tana, Quan, and then Cantillo would go would be my third guy. But I want to trade either of the two. You know, I want to get a deal done. I'm going to push in and see if I can get a deal done. If I can't protect these guys, I'm not giving them away. I would take a risk with Noel. I would, right. I would yeah, even I think Adam Scott, too. As, as much as I've been a fan of Adam Scott, I would risk losing him over over um, Tana or Quan or even Palacios at this point. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. Let's see. Um, oh, Grizz had a good question. I don't know. It was a, a loaded question. But he said, uh, who do you think the Guardians ultimately lose in the Rule 5 draft? Um, I would say if they lose somebody in the Rule 5 draft, it's going to be... I don't. I don't know what they're going to do, Jose Tana. I'm kind of. I'm kind of. I don't know. We just talked about like you know the the, the Nationals having a terrible system and, and having a wide open roster and the and the Oakland Athletics. I don't know. I I could see one of them giving a shot to Jose Tana, and if if uh, if he's out there and available, maybe they do that just because they have the room and why not, right? If he in the worst case scenario, if you don't think he can play all next year, you just hand him back for a little bit of money. And then um, whoever whoever doesn't get kept between the triumvirate of, um, well, I guess two, I'm thinking they're going to keep Pilkington, but I would say Scott or Cantillo. I think one of those guys gets left off, and I think whichever gets left off, they get taken. I'll say Adam Scott. I, I, Cantillo, I, I think, may not get chosen just because of the two years that he's missed, and he's had a mechanical change too. Um, I think Scott would be a middle relief type. Uh, I think really the guys to me that are near the bubble are Quan, Palacios, and Tana. And to me, all three of them need to be taken or need to be protected or traded. You don't you don't expose those, guys, in my well, opinion. You know what? You know we haven't talked about. You know we haven't talked about is uh, Oscar Gonzalez. He was re-signed okay. to a minor league deal, but he's still he is still Rule Five eligible, and I don't expect Cleveland to add him to the forty man roster. Um, I would say to to me right now. Gonzalez, if, if there's going to be a DH in the National League in this new CBA, I think it's almost a lock that Oscar Gonzalez gets picked in the Rule 5 draft. Somebody tries to give him a shot as a DH in the National League. Absolutely. And, and I think a team kind of like Oakland that has a lot of spots to fill, they'll look for a safe pick, and then they'll also make a few trades um, to fill out their roster. Baltimore does that too. They like to pick a player or two. Um, if I remember correctly, Anthony Santander was a second-round draft pick, and that's why I floated young Kenzie Noel as a potential second-round pick. Um, coming back around and, and getting a guy that a lot of people didn't think would get picked in the second round. Very shrewd move of them at the time, and he was productive for a year for them. Um, you know, anything can happen. Who knows what teams are thinking sometimes. But I I have kind of changed my status with Scott and, and Cantillo as far as um, Palacios and Tana being added to the roster, I think those guys have surpassed them just because of what they've done this offseason. I think, if anything, they've solidified their position within the organization, whereas the other guys 
scuffled through injury again this year. And I think you can, because of that, I, I think you can float them out there um, in, in that risk. And then with the demographic with Noel, uh, him being a first baseman and, and not playing at a high level in the minors yet, you know, I, I think you can float him and hope and pray that nobody drafts him. And if they do, there's a good chance that he does come back anyways, you know, so there's, there is that factor in there too. There is. I would also say Baltimore, I know people keep pointing to the um, Anthony Santander thing, but uh, they do have new a new front office since then. So this is not like a the same people who who went with that strategy in the past are not there anymore. So I don't know if that they took or what, but I'm just they made two choices out. last year though. I'll throw that out there. Uh, Martin, the shortstop, Richie Martin, I think his name is from Oakland that they selected, and then they selected another player, and I think they ended up keeping one and returning the other. Yeah, so they still could for sure, but I mean, it might be a different approach than than how they went with Santander back then. Is all I'm saying, but we'll see. Um, they still have room on their roster to get better for sure because they were terrible last year. Um, Quincy Wheeler, our buddy Quincy, said a lot of names being bandied about and trade targets. Wanted to know more about you know guys you mentioned before, like Taylor Ward and Trey Mancini and Garrett Cooper and Jeff McNeil. You mentioned Jeff McNeil to me earlier today. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, Tyler Taylor Ward is a you know a good utility target, I guess. But like Taylor Ward is interesting, but I feel like you have him already. I feel like they haven't. I don't. I don't. Yeah, like they have some of those guys. I, I don't Ward, know. Like you know. Yeah, Taylor Ward's a better. Yeah, I feel like he's projected to be good next year, and he's a nice player. Um, I mean, he'd be an incremental. I, I wonder, like, he's not a huge addition to the club. Somebody that's a, a last sort of roster spot guy that can play multiple positions and, and helps out. Uh, maybe a midseason type of acquisition, not somebody I'm targeting right now. Yeah, like he's definitely an upgrade of what they've had. But I mean, I guess my question is like, how many how many marginal roster players can you can you keep on your roster next year? Like they already have a lot of guys that I think that could ascend to his level. And I, I just wonder how many of those guys can you keep? Uh, he's good, but I guess you got a clear space to me to to take another guy like that on. Uh, I don't I don't really have a whole lot of interest in Trey Mancini. It's a great story. He's been a good hitter, but I, I just don't see the fit. I don't really love the approach. I know he hit he's hit well in the past, but um, for what he's going to cost from the Orioles, I don't see it. Garrett Cooper's interesting, but. Uh, not somebody huge on my radar. Jeff McNeil, I think, makes a ton of sense. You, t- you talked about earlier today. I wanted Jeff McNeil in the Lindor deal. They ultimately didn't go that way. But, um, yeah, I would take Jeff McNeil because he could play second. He could play third. He could play outfield. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would be interested to see if the Mets have any and interest in. I didn't realize, um, but he's got three more years of control, too. You know? That's that's definitely a good target there, Quincy. I would love to see them target McNeil as maybe a super utility guy kind of like um, Ben Zobris did with the Cubs. Yeah, if the Mets want – the Mets need pitching yeah, badly. Exactly. They are in a bad way with pitching. Zach Plesak. Um, Zach, yeah. We keep bringing up Zach Plesak. We keep, every day we talk about who who will the Guardians trade Zach Plesak to today. It's been the – it's been the – it's been the Blue Jays. It's been the uh, – The Cubs. The Mets. It's, I don't even know. I lost I, track of the Cubs. As we've, we've traded Zach Plesak to like half the baseball universe. I haven't traded him to the Pirates yet, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if they're interested. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. Unless you want to include in some Brian Reynolds deal. We'll see. 
Um, oh, here we go. You can wrap up. Or we have two more after this, but um, this is a good one because we just talked about catching earlier. Uh, Bill Willis wants to know if Brian Lavastina is the backup catcher. And he pretty much agree with our list of players to come off the 40. And he trusts Chris, Chris Antonetti, but is Tito going to go along with cutting that many players? Look, here's the thing I, I keep harping on, and, and I know people don't want to believe me, and I, maybe I'm not right, but, you know, Terry Francona keeps talking about how he likes coaching here or managing here because of the collaboration between him and the front office and what a great environment it is to work in, and he likes what they're doing every day. I'm sorry. If there's no chance that Chris Antonetti and, and um, Mike Chernoff are like going to Tito and getting steam, steamrolled by him with decisions like, hey, we want to cut um, – you know, Harold Ramirez. Well, no, you can't do that. He's a veteran. I like him. Like, that's not happening. You're, trust me, Tito's not going to them and saying, I want to keep this guy, so we're keeping him. Like, yes, guys do like to pound the table for their guys that they really like him. And, but I, I don't know. There's no, there's no, sometimes with Francona and even Chris Antonetti, there are some comments you can kind of read between the lines on, on, maybe more so with, with uh, Francona than Antonetti, because I think Antonetti is great at, saying a lot of words without really saying anything of substance because they're all good at that. With Tito, you can, yeah, he'd be a great politician. With Tito, he can, you can kind of read between the lines what he's saying because he tries to come off the right way, but he lets you know what he's really saying without actually saying it. And I've never gotten the impression between the lines or direct quotes that any, there's no power struggle. People are so poisoned by the Browns. With, with in the past and the Cavs sometimes with this whole power struggle dynamic of the front office and the coaching staff, like that's not happening here. So whatever, whatever happens this Friday with, you know, roster decisions, you know, it's not Tito's wanting to keep, you know, this, this five-year veteran who's not good because that's his guy. Like, trust me, they're coming to these decisions together. They're making these decisions together. They agree at the end of the day, these decisions are the best for the, the future of the roster. So um, I have no problem trusting. Now, when you talk about playing times, different, a different situation, but the roster is a different, is uh, I'm pretty sure is very collaborative and um, yeah, they'll make the right decisions together. As far as Brian Laustida, I think we just addressed this earlier. He is not the backup catcher in 2021. Maybe he makes a, a cameo in the second half, but I don't think, I, I still don't think it's likely that Brian Lobstein makes his major league debut in 2022. Yeah. I, I think it's later in the year if he does. And if he, if he does, it's probably because of injury or maybe because Cleveland eventually trades hedges or whoever it is that they bring in um, because they have Naylor and Lobstein banging on the door and they have depth. Um, they made a point of adding free agents last off season uh, Lavarnway and Ramos and, um, oh, there was somebody else, another veteran catcher that they'd brought in too throughout during the season. Um, I, I don't see La Vestita getting that chance. I, I think it's going to be either Hedges or whoever they bring in will be the backup catcher next year. Agreed. Yeah. I, I don't see him coming up next year. We'll see. Um, a couple to wrap it up. Zane Stevens asked you, uh, which guys on the 40-man roster they try to remove and move. We kind of addressed that, but um, yeah, I'll just say it again. I think I think um, Mercado and 
Mercado for sure to me looks like he's probably on his way out. I don't see yeah, how four he's easy cuts as I said. Make it next um, year. He young really... Moss, Nelson, Mercado. Yeah. And then after that, uh, that's where I said it gets a little tricky, depending on how how much pitching and and what you're really adding back. Um, but you know, you could potentially make a small trade or package a, a guy like Sam Hentges with an Owen Miller and see what you get, or try to trade Harold Ramirez for cash or something like that, or even. Daniel Johnson and, and Justin Garza together, or some random variation there, but you know, you can see if you can get cash or maybe a minor league reliever or something like that, or, or even um, a marginal reliever, a guy with some options that you can up and down a couple of times. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, well, I, you're going to see, I got I got to think one of Alan Mejia or Henches is off the roster. Uh, I don't, I don't know if they're going to find out about, getting a fourth option on Mejia by Friday. So that kind of makes me think they're just going to hang on to him just in case they do. I can see Logan Allen being gone. Like you said, Garza. Yeah. He has three options left. He was That's okay. That's a 27 year old rookie. That's somebody so. I think they're going to worry about. Yeah. You're not, if he if it isn't clear waivers, that's fine. Like you're not, I don't think they're going to lose sleep over that. Yeah, for sure. Nelson and Moss. I, I think Moss for sure is, is definitely gone. And if Hill is, then Nelson is. And yeah, I could see, I think Daniel Johnson's staying because he has an option. They're going to hang on to that depth. And then it, see, it would seem strange to keep Johnson, um, Josh Naylor, I guess, and then Reyes and Straw and, and Zimmer because then you really don't have a whole a right-handed outfielder. But I can see both Ramirez and, and Mercado going, and I think that's the way to go. So we'll see. Definitely not going to be a lack of news by the end of the week, thankfully. And then let's wrap it up with Hiram Boyd, uh, our buddy. Would Gabriel Arias be given a chance to beat out Jimenez if Rosario is traded? Um, I know what he's going to say, but he's going to say this is a Tito thing and that that uh, Tito doesn't like rookies, but uh, I think Arias starts in AAA no matter what. He's 21. It was his first year in AAA, and they don't like to bring rookies to the majors to start the season. I think you'll see Arias at, at some point next year, but it's not going to be April. I think that's pretty simple. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, it's not like it's not like uh, anybody terrible is blocking him. Like Andres Jimenez might be able to play. We don't know. He's Andres Jimenez is twenty two years old. Okay, and he has barely played at the major league level. And he had a good second half last year. Or whenever he got called up, he was pretty good. So. You know, it's not like Arias going at the AAA is being blocked by some, you know, guy who hasn't really proven really in the majors, like, you know, Yu Chang, who... <laughs> he said the exact same thing. Uh, yeah, he's not being blocked by, by uh, some menial <laughs> major league starter. Yeah, so if, if Arias is in AAA, that means that Jimenez is starting, and that's fine because Jimenez... Uh, needs a chance, or Owen Miller needs a chance. One of those guys needs to play to see what they have. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Um, I wanted to talk – we didn't get to it. It's already been over an hour, Willie. I know you have other stuff to do. Um, I wanted to talk about what would our A-plus offseason, what would our ideal re- realistic offseason look like. Maybe we can say that for next week. Um, and thoughts on CBA, I'm yeah, sure we, we can We can even talk about the well. uh, roster construction next week. You know the moves that were made. Kind of a, yeah, like, and I think there's going to be a lot of time in off season to complain, given the way the CBA is going to go. So, um, if you got this far, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. We appreciate the questions. 
Um, if you got this far and somehow you are not following us on Twitter, that would be very surprising. But um, if you're not, I am at JL Baseball or JL underscore Baseball on Twitter. Uh, Willie is at W I L L H O O nine nine on Twitter. You can follow us at official underscore IBI for now and eventually uh, the new handle, which we'll let you know what that is. Um, and you can check us out at IndiansBaseballInsider.com for the time being and eventually GuardiansBaseballInsider.com for the time being or eventually. And then um, keep an eye out for uh, Best Tools in the Organization. That series is going to be running soon. Uh, so like we did last year, Best Hit Tool, Best Power, Best play Discipline, Best Fastball, Best Command, all that stuff. That'll be coming out here soon. And then, uh, I don't know, I'm, I might have a piece this week just kind of giving my official predictions, I think, on – 40-man rosters. Anything else you want to plug or, or get in real quick? No, please? I just look forward to uh, getting this lockout over. I'm really curious what this organization is going to do. I do yeah. believe that they're going to try to generate some excitement. Um, so I think they'll. some people will be surprised by a move or two that they make. But I, I think that they're going to look long-term. They're not going to lose their minds and make a huge, massive trade and mortgage the entire future of their organization. But I do think that they... They want to bring in a name that generates some excitement around the organization uh, among the faithful and also try to win the division this year and, and really go for the playoffs. So I'm just saying maybe it's a Jesse Winker or, or something like that. I think it'll be a, a name people recognize, but I, I really, um, really Ooh. look forward to getting this lockout over with because I'm going to go insane in the next few months. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm with you. I, I hope I'm that you. you and I and Jared and others can generate enough content and conversation to keep each other from going crazy. In the in the meantime, feel free to reach out or DM me. Um, hit me up on Twitter. I don't care. Everybody knows that my direct messages are always open. Let's chat. Let's talk. I always want to talk about baseball. Yep. Yeah. Same here. I got a message today from, uh, Somebody who has been a longtime reader of the site, Joshua Folk, who is an executive producer at WKYC, just wanted to know how Tony Lestoria was doing and said he was a uh, reader from way back and um, wanted to know how things were and wanted to let us know he is a longtime reader and, and fan of the site. So, yeah, definitely that guy dropped me a DM and happy to talk baseball with anybody who is um, interested in baseball, especially as if the winter gets more cold with baseball talk than normal. So uh, thanks for listening. Leave us a review or give us a, a five-star rating if you liked it, or, you know, give us a one-star if you didn't. That's fine. Just let us know how we did. Um, thanks for listening, and we will catch you on the flip side. Yeah.